This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Just how lucky are we in Australia to have so much opportunity? Traditional farming is on the cusp of a new agricultural wave driven by space age technology. And in the north of Australia, well, in a way, they're just getting started. So there's all the vigour and challenge that our farming pioneers must have experienced. As our far north opens up to broadacre farming, it's all about trying new things, new crops like cotton and new fruits like jackfruit. Yes, I said jackfruit, something you may have heard of, but probably not seen or tasted, certainly in Australia. Next week, delegates to the Northern Australia Food Futures Conference will sit down and talk about how to take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves and how farming can live alongside Indigenous culture and also look after that stunning landscape. At that conference, Matt Hall, who is the Director of Plant Industries with the Northern Territory Government and also on the AgriFutures Australia Emerging Industries Advisory Panel, will talk about the possibilities that present themselves through new horticulture in the top end. Matt, in some ways, epitomises agriculture in our far north. He's young, full of energy and willing to take on the world one fruit at a time. And in a way, jackfruit is a great example of the sometimes quite alien opportunities that present themselves in the far north. So let's quickly track Matt's journey from a wool and sheep farm in New South Wales to fostering the burgeoning jackfruit industry in the Northern Territory. Um, So I come from a a farming family in Young in New South Wales, super fine merino and dryland crops like wheat and, and canola primarily. I went to Sydney Uni to start my undergrad degree. I finished that in 2006. And I think towards the end of that is really when I pivoted towards horticulture. I think before that, I was very much interested in wheat and other dryland crops. And I think horticulture at that time was just offered more variety, more breadth. There's a lot more crops. The issues are perhaps more uh, complex. And so that, that interested me. I uh, had such a good time at uni that I didn't want to get a job, so I decided to do a PhD, and that was around baby leaf crops. I was looking at rocket in particular, becoming very popular, particularly in the packaged, ready-to-eat products. And so there was a lot of interest and investment at that time around the agronomy, the, the shelf life, and some of the nutrient labelling. And so I was involved with the nutrient claim labelling for vitamin C in particular, And then after that, I went over to New Zealand, did four and a half years there in forestry, forest entomology. They're reliant on a chemical treatment with methyl bromide, which is an ozone depleter. And so the research that that I was doing over there was really around finding alternatives for methyl bromide. The chemicals that we were using, they were still toxic chemicals, but better for the environment when compared to methyl bromide. So Matt, how did you end up then in the Northern Territory? Part of the reason to make that decision too from the research and, and conversations that I'd had with previous colleagues was around the opportunities for development of agriculture in, in Northern Australia and the opportunities that presented. And I think the development across Northern Australia and Northern Territory, which I'm more involved in, 
is really exciting. There's a lot of land and water and there's probably some select areas where those things coincide and where sustainable agricultural development can occur. Most other areas around Australia in particular and certainly in New Zealand are already well developed and the issues that they're dealing with are quite advanced research and development challenges for industries that have already developed where you know most of the industries here are either emerging or, or niche. Of course, there's some that are developed, like mangoes. That was what really drew us, I guess, to the Northern Territory. The word you used, opportunity, that really, I think, is the key word, isn't it, when it comes to the Northern Territory. Can you describe the horticulture industry in the NT right now? As you say, mangoes are well advanced. What else is growing there? And how valuable is it to the Northern Territory? So the largest horticultural sector or industry is mangoes. Mangoes are a really good fit for the Northern Territory. We produce around 50% of the national volume and we're first on the market. So the the prices that mango farmers receive are are much higher than, for example, uh, Queensland uh, mango growers, particularly towards the end of the season in, say, December, January. Our next important horticultural sector is melons. So that's primarily watermelon. There's some rock melon and pumpkin that's produced as well. So we, again, fill a niche, which is the winter period. So we're producing during the dry season, which is really textbook conditions for growing crops. So you have virtually no rain during that period. The requirement for foliar applications of fungicides is pretty low compared to other areas of Australia. And it's really a a niche window where production of melons is pretty restricted in other areas other than probably central and northern Queensland. So we produce about 30% of the national melon crop. And again, it's during a period where the prices are typically higher. And I guess the next major industry is Asian vegetables, which is predominantly around the Darwin region. Our geographical spread, we've got mangoes in Darwin and Catherine and Mataranka. Mataranka is just south of Catherine a little bit. And melons are focused really around Catherine. And then there's also a, a large melon farm in Ali Kurung, which is about four hours north of Alice Springs uh, in the centre. Now, Matt, there's a, a focus, a new focus, I suppose, on jackfruit. Why is that? Is it potentially a very profitable crop as well? There's certainly a focus on jackfruit at the moment. There's several investments in this space, and it's really exciting. I think jackfruit globally, there's a lot of interest in it as a meat substitute. It has a similar texture when cooked to pulled pork. It's quite often used in the context of pulled pork. It is a little bit like a mushroom in that it takes up all the flavours of whatever it's cooked in. So jackfruit is the crop that's already grown. It is a small and emerging industry. At the moment, the two main areas where we're getting support to develop the industry is from CRC for Northern Australia and also AgriFutures, the Emerging Industry Fund. The title of the project is Processing Jackfruit into Ready-to-Eat Products and Ingredients. We're working with the Food Innovation Centre at Monash And what we're doing there is developing three ready-to-eat fresh products and three processed products. Let's just tell people what jackfruit is because most people probably aren't very familiar with it. So describe the fruit. I mean, it's 
ginormous, it's huge as a fruit. How does it grow and what does it taste like? Yeah, I think you're right. I just launched into it like everybody knows what jackfruit is. I certainly hadn't heard of it before I lived in Darwin. It is a amazing tree. It, it produces huge fruit, you know, up to 30 kilograms in, in weight, um, rough-skinned fruit, and it really presents some problems for utilisation within the broader community. I mean, people that are familiar with jackfruit will know how to use it and know how to prepare it. At the moment, it's sold mainly in eastern capital city markets, either cut in half or in quarters, similar to a watermelon. And it's full of latex. So when you cut it open, it exudes latex all over your knife and it's really sticky. And then it's got all these seeds in it and and fruit pockets and it's just a bit complex. Some of the ways in which you can use it, though, are, are really good. And so The seeds, for example, can be cooked and turned into almost like a hummus type dip. And, you know, there's hundreds of seeds. Likewise, the two main ways of eating jackfruit are either as the fruit is immature, so it hasn't ripened and it's not sweet. And that's typically how it's used to flavor curries and things like this. And then the other way to eat it is mature and sweet. And so it's eaten as as a sweet fruit. I really like the flavour of it. It's probably one of those things where you either do or you don't like it. And it's said that the juicy fruit chewing gum flavour actually was derived from jackfruit. It kind of has a pineapple-y, it's very sweet. Hard to describe the flavours, but juicy fruit's probably the most accurate. Well, I like juicy fruit chewing gum, Matt, so I think I'll definitely like it. It sounds, as you say, it's really messy and hard to use. So what's the idea? It's obviously been promoted as a potential big crop in the Northern Territory. So who's the market aimed at? So some of the work that we're doing revolves around processing. So we've got a project looking at processing jackfruit into ready-to-eat products and ingredients. And, And what we're trying to do there is really address the issue of having this big, gnarly fruit that's full of latex. And if you saw it in a major retailer, unless you're familiar with it, you probably wouldn't buy it. And and it's typically not sold in major retailers anyway. So what we're trying to do is present the fruit in such a way that it's either minimally processed into fresh, ready-to-eat products. So what that might look like is a punnet of processed jackfruit, similar to how you would purchase berries or strawberries, that type of thing. And the other way that we're trying to present it is in a flavoured, cooked, ready-to-eat sachet. Maybe it's got vegetables and other flavours in it, and then you just add that to cooked rice. We're working with Monash Food Innovation Centre, and they're really doing the food development, food technology and consumer testing work. And we're trying to move it from this position where it just gets sent to market and chopped in quarters or halves to a position where either processing quite extensively into a cooked ready-to-eat product or minimally processing into a fresh ready-to-eat item. And it's really to try and improve the uptake of it. And one of the major retailers that we've spoken to, this fruit's certainly on their radar as being an emerging crop. And I think part of the reason for that is the appeal for that meat substitute angle and the sort of social and, and environmental drivers behind that. And I think if you then look at how productive is the crop, the calculations are on a per hectare basis, jackfruit produces eight times the edible food compared to beef. So it's a highly productive system, can produce a lot of edible food. Nutritionally, it's not the same as meat, of course, for those that are looking to 
less meat meals or, or that are vegetarians and it provides an alternative natural source of that edible product. Why jackfruit? Obviously, it's suited to growing in the Northern Territory environment and that coastal environment, but is it more profitable than other crops? I think that's a really good question, you know, why jackfruit? So there's this global demand for meat alternatives. That's what's driving it. Yes, it's highly productive. If you look at the financial returns, mangoes clearly work for the Northern Territory. They're they're our largest horticultural industry, as we previously talked about. And I think the average farm gate returns for a mango farm are around $50,000 per hectare per year as an indication. And I think that the jackfruit returns are estimated about $100,000 per hectare per year. So the ability to grab more supply and put that into the market without affecting price is there, or we, we certainly think is there. And so it's partly to do with the average price. So wholesale prices in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne markets are around that $5 a kilo. And so when you just extrapolate that out to, you know, you can get about 100 kilograms off a tree and the tree planting density is around 200 trees per hectare, then that's where you're getting your $100,000 per hectare. The viability of it is there and is certainly competitive compared to mangoes. The challenges are great, though, in any tropical exotic fruit. And some of the challenges for jackfruit is, is the ability to clone it. So at the moment, we've got primarily seed orchards. And so what that means is every tree is slightly different and you get variability from tree to tree. So we're trying to work on grafting techniques so that we have clones, which is what happens in more developed horticultural industries so that they get that consistency. So we're working on that. The grafting take is pretty poor. We've we've got all sorts of work going on in that space around when we graft the environmental conditions around that and so on. So that's a real challenge. And the other is because it's an emerging industry, the access to post-harvest, even management agrochemicals is pretty limited. And so at the moment, there's actually quite a lot of waste in the supply chain with fruit rots being sent from Darwin to these capital cities. So it's not open slather. There are major issues, but we certainly think that Compared to mangoes, the economic viability of this crop, the global demand for this product is there. It just needs some assistance in building that capacity around grafting and and scaling up. And it needs some work in that consumer space so that they know how to use jackfruit and are enticed to use it in their meals and that. What is the path forward then, Matt, and how long is that path? Are we talking about years of development before we start to see it uh, more commonly in supermarkets? So, look, this is a long-term long-term venture. I think if we look at some of the other horticultural industries that have really scaled quite quickly, uh, avocados is a good one, a good example. I, I think the first varieties were imported into Australia from California in the 19, late 1920s. Not much really happened until the mid to late 1970s when planting started to increase and now we're in a situation where that industry in Australia is worth $450 million. So that took decades, that took a whole lot of technical questions which needed to be addressed. You know, avocados have big issues and continue to have issues with quality within their supply chain. So I don't think this is a, an overnight thing, it will take decades 
The point where we're at with Jackfruit at the moment is that there is viable businesses that are growing jackfruit. They are at a relatively small scale. As I mentioned, the, the average size of orchards is in two hectares. And so it's really a matter of having the planting material available to allow for that expansion. And I think that is a challenge in itself because commercial nurseries that supply large numbers of other horticultural crops like citrus, mangoes, avocados, etc. The economics around that require large numbers. And so for a nursery to be interested in tropical fruits, you, you might be doing you know, very small numbers. And so there's really hasn't been, I guess, a great level of interest in that work. And so farmers may take on that role of propagating themselves. But it's particularly important because I think what we need to do is move to a clonal orchard system, similar to other more advanced horticultural crops. And that requires access to the budwood material, which is from the mother plant, and the ability to graft that to a, a rootstock consistently. That's what we are sort of addressing at the moment. The next aspect is around we've selected some varieties for the fresh market. What we haven't done is screen those same varieties for the immature meat alternative value-add market. So whether it's a similar varieties or whether they're different is unknown at this stage. And then there's all sorts of supply chain aspects which need to be addressed. So we're really starting from the beginning where we're trying to screen that germplasm from around the world, identify different traits within it for yield, for sweetness and, and so on, and then develop a system to propagate at scale so we can roll out the varieties. But we think there's a lot of potential for jackfruit and certainly the investments of both the Queensland, WA and Northern Territory governments in this space are encouraging and the commercial projects that we have through AgriFutures and CRCNA are very encouraging. Okay, so jackfruit may not be on the shopping list this week, but hopefully not too far away. I really enjoyed talking to Matt because, again, it was a snapshot of the sorts of opportunities happening right now in the far north of Australia. My guest today was Matt Hall, who is the Director of Plant Industries with the Northern Territory Government. And my name is Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia.